Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Okay, James 5 and 7. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Wow. Okay, James, he had, we had seen him say before, he had said, you adulterers, those who are cheating on God and going after money instead of God, you adulterers. And then he said later, oh, weep and howl for your misery, you rich people. Okay? But now he's saying again, brethren. Ah, brethren. He's talking to me. <laughs> believers. He's saying to the believers of Jesus, be patient. He just spoke to the victims of fraud who were having their paychecks withheld. And now he said, be patient. This guy's holding my paycheck back. Be patient. In other words, let God deal with it. But he cheated me. I'm going to get him and I'm going to be patient. Let God deal with the guy. Let God take care of it. But I don't want to just wring his neck. He's causing me so much trouble. Yeah. Be patient. Be patient. Have you ever gotten yourself into a snag where you really needed money or you really needed something, but the cards were just stacked against you? I mean, it's just, you're like, I really need this, but there's just no way I can win. I've been there a million times. I'm there now. (laughs) It's kind of, you have that thought that if I don't get this fixed fast, then it's going to be a real mess. Oh gosh, what am I going to do? James said, brethren, believer, be patient, cool off, calm down. Chillax. <laughs> That's hard for me to do because I want to fix it. But if I do it, it's going to be from my own sinful, limited, biased view. I'll let God deal with it. God's got this. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. James is saying, look, I know it's bad, but trust me, when Jesus comes, it's going to be so worth it. But he's holding my paycheck. You know what that paycheck looks like compared to what God has for you? It's going to be so worth it. Nobody is taking anything away from you. Yes, he is. He took this and he took. God hears the the prayer of those who submit to him. Did he not already tell us this? God heard the people who have been victims of injustice and fraud. God will deal with it. Be patient. Guys, just just knowing that, I, I breathe easier. So I've got a lot of big things I'm dealing with. I don't know how to fix them. And oh my gosh, how in the world? Just be patient. Ray, Ray, just chill out. God's got it. He'll deal with it. 
Oh, thank you, Lord God. I'm going to be patient. You've got it. For those who are stressed out, this ought to make you go, it'll be okay. Let go of that stress. It's not helping you. Just calm down. Just relax. It'll be okay. You're not helping yourself by worrying, okay? James 5, verse 9, do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Now, who's he talking to in here? Is he talking about those terrible unbelievers that don't have Jesus that just talk bad about each other? No, he's talking about believers that have Jesus that talk bad about each other. That's who he's talking to. Believers are not supposed to talk bad about everybody. They're not supposed to complain and groan because it brings everybody down. We, the believer, if you got to bite your tongue to do it, we are supposed to edify people, build them up. If you really, truly believe in Jesus and that he's coming back soon, standing at the door, that should give enough excitement to drown any chance of complaining coming out of our mouth. Why should I be thinking about negative things if I know Jesus is about to be here? I'm excited about that. That old thing I was crying about a minute ago doesn't really matter much now, because when Jesus comes back, what's it going to matter? You remember the guys, the, the disciples were on the ocean, and the water was going real, it was storming, the waves were big. Oh gosh, we're so scared! Jesus got involved, and they got to the other side. Okay, well now we're on the other side, we're on the beach. Who cares if it's storming now? We're on land now, it doesn't matter. Okay, there's going to come a time Jesus is going to get you to the other side. Then what's all the trouble here going to matter when you get to that, when you get to land? We're supposed to build people up, not have complaint coming out of our mouth. Our focal point should be so fixated on our joyous trust in Jesus Christ that there's no time to grumble. Your tongue ain't going to want to do it when your mind and your heart is set on Jesus Christ. He said the judge is standing at the door. You see how that word judge is capitalized, capital J. We know what capitalization means. It means deity. It means Jesus Christ is standing at the other, he's standing at the door. In other words, your faith should be able to see that Jesus is so close that your mouth doesn't dare talk negativity. You remember in school when the teacher left the room and all the students went crazy because the teacher's gone. What did the teacher say? Y'all be good. Y'all be quiet until I get back. As soon as she left, boom, everybody goes crazy. But you always had those very few students that wouldn't do it. They were too scared to do that. And they stayed at their desk and their eyes were all big and they were all, oh, I'm not doing this, you know, because they were afraid of getting in trouble. I, I have been on both sides of that, that fence, but um, uh, they were on their best behavior. Not me. I'm not getting in trouble because they knew at any second the teacher would come back and then all the bad kids were going to get pops, as we called it, which means you get paddled. Corrective judgment executed. Friends, this is how we're supposed to be right now. Don't go nuts in corruption like the rest of the world is doing. You be patient. Be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Don't grumble or you'll be condemned. The judge is at the door. You remember the students that that one student was like, teacher's coming, everybody get back. And you all jump back into your desk. Okay, he's saying Jesus is coming. Quit flipping out. He's got my paycheck. Jesus is about to come in the door. What's it matter? I like this. James 5 and 10. My brethren, 
Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Okay, Job, man, that guy, he went through some of the worst suffering anybody has ever been through in the entire Bible. And it wasn't just physical suffering. It was also mental suffering. It was emotional suffering. But no matter what he went through, that man would not curse God's name, which is exactly what Satan was trying to get him to do. And even Job's wife said, curse God's name and die. He wouldn't do it. To us, Job is a story we get to read through from start to end, and we get, we get to see all the intended outcome of the story. We can't do that with our own life. You can't see the start and the end, but you can look at Job. You can read it, okay, that's what happened to start, through it, and at the end, okay, look what God did. He's saying, take Job as an example for yourself. You're in the middle, you don't get it, but there is an intended end that God has for you. We should be able to understand that we have our own trials, but if we maintain our trust in Jesus, there is an intended outcome of God's mercy and God's compassion that we cannot see. And so Job is a great example for us to follow. Real quick while we're here, believer, I want to help you understand your trial that you're going through. God has an intended outcome for you, and it's not based on hurting you. It's based on the compassion of God. It is a good outcome. Let it have its time. We need refining. Remember, we're the sinner. And if we're going to be the righteousness God wants us to be, well, I have Jesus, I get it, but we gotta, our conduct has to be made to match. We're going to go through trial. It's going to refine us for that. It's a good outcome. Let it have its time. Go read the book of Job. See what happens. James 5 and 12. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. Believers who have a demonstrated track record, a persistent track record of trusting in God, you have demonstrated, you've proved to people that you trust in God, you have no need to take an oath on anything to prove that your word is valid. You don't have to, well, I, 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 I swear an oath on that thing over there. I swear an oath on my, my grandpa's grave or whatever, all these things that people come up with. He says, you don't have to do this. You maintain a lifestyle that shows you trust in God. You don't have to swear on stuff like that. You have demonstrated in your integrity. If a believer already has a proven record, they don't have to make an oath on any other standard because they have lived the standard of God's word. Never pledge yourself to be faithful, to be truthful on any other thing than the Lord God. Don't sell short who your standard is. If you start making oaths on this thing over here and this thing's over there, that discredits God. You make sure people understand, no, I'm doing this because God told me to do it. Not because of this thing over that or that tradition or some cultural thing. God is the reason I do this. That's why he's saying, don't swear on these other things. Let your yes be yes and your no be, mean no. Don't flip-flop. Don't change your mind. When you say you're going to do something, do it. When you say, no, I'm not going to do it, then don't. If you say, yes, I am going to do it, then do it. You will prove to people that man or that woman, when they say they're going to do something, they do it. What makes them like that? God told me to have integrity, to be honest, and that is what we go by. Don't sell short your standard. Don't draw back 
from telling people that Jesus is the motivation for your honesty. Jesus is the reason I try to be honest, is the, is the reason my yes should be yes and no should be no. That is what you say is the truth, because Jesus told you to conduct yourself like this. If you base your oaths by other people, then you water down your representation of Jesus Christ. I'm not being who I am because of anybody in this room. I'm being the way I am. I live my life the way I live it. I speak the way I speak because of Jesus Christ and nobody else. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. Lest you fall into judgment. Show people integrity. Show people I adhere to the Lord Jesus Christ and His standard. And that will speak volumes to people. Don't go back and forth. Don't flip-flop. Show people that the Lord drives you. James 5 and 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Okay, just in that piece right there is a lot. I think the areas of prayer and praise are two of the greatest weaknesses in the church today because on the majority scale, people are insensitive. There is a lot of need for prayer. There's a lot of need for praise. Suffering should be what causes us to pray. You ever suffered and it made you pray? I'm suffering. Man, I really need to pray. Okay, there's a lot of need for prayer. You know, this church, we meet prayer meetings every week, and we also lift up our praise. We also sing and praise here. And when you consider that James is asking, is any one of you in trouble? Well, then here's what you ought to do about it. Then we realize how important prayer and praise is. James 5 and 14, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Okay, the word sick here. That is the word, original word, astheneo. It means weak, weary, tired, and drained. It doesn't just mean I have a temperature and I'm physically sick. That means I'm, I'm worn out. I'm tired. A lot of people take this passage to mean sickness only as physical sickness. And so they believe this, this verse says that your absolute total healing is one prayer away. Guys, I have prayed for this disease in my body to leave me, and it has not left. It's still here. Now, does that mean that God can't heal me? No, it doesn't. But what James is talking about is the, he, the Lord can heal. It's in the Bible. But some diseases simply are not going to go away. You remember Paul? He prayed for that problem that he had, and the Lord said, No, I will not let this physical pain depart from you, because he says, My power is made perfect in weakness. And that's where Paul learned to boast in his infirmities. We actually need that. It helps to refine us. What James is getting at here is a much deeper astheneo, a much deeper sickness, a much deeper weakness. It is a spiritual weariness, spiritual tiredness. It goes a lot deeper than just physical weariness. Guys, have you ever been just tired, just worn out? I have, and it come this close to stealing my joy of Jesus away, and I had to get control of it somehow because I'm a pastor of all things, but it has made me tired. It has worn me out. You can be in absolutely perfect health. You could be running the Olympics, 
and yet still find weariness, weariness to the depths of your spirit, to your very core, in perfect health, and be tired. That's People fall into depression, perfect health, but they're worn out, and they're whipped, they're tired. Now, you notice how James associates sin along with this asthenio, this tiredness, this sickness, because it's not just physical weariness, it is also spiritual weariness. And because of this verse, I carry a small vial of oil with me 24-7. I keep it in my backpack. I want to be ready to anoint and pray over your weaknesses at any time. That's why I keep it. Now, there's another 514 in the Bible. It's the 514 of 1 Thessalonians, (laughs) which tells us to uphold the weak. So I gave you two 514s today. That's your double dose of 514. If you're sick, call for the elders of the church, pray anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And also 1 Thessalonians 514, uphold the weak. It is biblical. And so I am prepared to do it. In fact, after the service, if you want to meet with me privately, I've got that oil. We can pray over your asthenio, over your weariness, over your tiredness. And well, I'm not sick, Ray. I feel fine. But wait a minute. How are you spiritually? How are you in your mental and your emotional? James 5.16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Okay, I can do the anointing part. We just talked about that all. That's why I keep it. I can do the anointing part. But that's just phase one. Phase two requires you to do something. It requires you to confess your sins. To who? To just God so that you can keep it all private and hush? No. To one another. You'd be amazed how many people will pray to God for forgiveness, but adamantly will not confess their sins to one another because they're still too proud. They won't do it. They refuse to humble down, and they have no desire to help those that they may have wronged. Do you realize that confessing your sins to somebody you wronged could help them, not just you? It could help them too. No more of those prayers like, Dear Lord, please forgive me, but let's keep this quiet just between us because I will never admit this to so-and-so. No more prayers like that. Confess to one another, it says. Swallow the pride and do whatever it takes to get this done because James said that your healing is in the balance. I'll never talk to them. Your healing rides on this. Confess to one another. But Ray, they will never listen to me. Yeah, so says your I'll never admit it pride. Maybe they will. You don't know that. But that's why God's word says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. If you think they won't listen to you, pray about it first. Try that one. This means pray it up hard before you go confess to them and you watch how much good becomes of it. Never doubt the power of effective and fervent prayer. When Facebook first came out, I was amazed at how many people I could find. I had wronged a lot of people in my past. I was a bad guy. You'd have hated me. But I was able to dig all these people up, and I decided to do Forgiveness Week. And I sent them an email, a personal message, and I made it personal. I did this to you, and I did that to you. I listed it. I put my cards on the table. I got right before God, and I confessed my sins to these people. I did my part. That's just an example of how you can do it. You can have your own forgiveness week. You can look up all these people and send messages. It doesn't matter what they say back to you. Don't be afraid of that. You lay your cards out on the table and get right. 
your healing, that you may be healed. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray. James 5.17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Okay, if you think that confessing to others is impossible to do, James says, well, just look what Elijah did. (laughs) He used a well-known man as an example of why we should never doubt prayer, if you do it right. Now, if you want the whole story about Elijah praying the rains on and off, and again, it's all in 1 Kings 17 and 18. You can go look it up. James is saying that earnest prayer really, really works. When you look all these people up to confess and you want to get that to them, you better pray first, okay? That's how, it, how James advised. But, you know, guys, he said fervent prayer. Half-hearted prayer is self-defeating. Oh, I prayed about it. Yeah, no. Was it fervent prayer? Real get-down-go-to-town prayer? You don't like a job done halfway, do you? You ever called in a contractor to come work on your house and they did it partway? You wouldn't settle for that. No, you get back over here and you finish it. You do it right. Halfway prayer doesn't cut it either, guys. Pray fervently. Get it done all the way. Go get your forgiveness week. Confess your trespasses to one another and you'll get healed. Good stuff. James 5.19 Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Guys, that's hard to do is to turn somebody back. Somebody gets off in a bad way and you just don't want to be the one to tell them. Look what happens if you do. It's going to cover a mess. I uh, was, had to go haul hay for my grandpa one time. We had this long hay trailer. My cousin backed the truck up to it, and I dropped it down the tongue under the trailer hitch, and we had all this hay, so we're going down the highway. And the truck kind of bounced for a second, and I looked at my cousin, and he was looking in the rearview mirror, and his face just turned white. And I turned and looked, and that trailer came off. And I'm the one that hooked it up. And so here's this trailer with all these bales of hay, and the tongue is down on the concrete, scraping, throwing sparks into the hay. How many of you have ever seen Haley's Comet? Okay, I've seen Haley's Comet on the freeway, and it passed us up, okay? So this big flaming trailer goes by us, and we thought, well, let's get out of here and dump the bales off, for it catches the trailer on fire, too. (laughs) But it tore up the fence. It burned a lot of the hay up. It could have, what if it went off in through somebody's house? Could have killed somebody. What if it hit a car? And I realized at that moment when I dropped the trailer down, because I was a young kid, I I didn't know any better. I was very young. I dropped that tongue down. I did not flick the latch to lock it. Had I just done that one simple step, it would have covered all that damage. He's saying, if you turn a sinner from the air of his way, one little thing, It will save their soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. You know what? There's a lot that friends of yours could avoid if you would just go and turn them from the air of their way. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. 
Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.